Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in, everybody, to the second hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. War in Ukraine is raging still, if anything, getting worse with each passing day. The toll on Ukrainian cities and civilians increasing. A lot of reporting this week on estimated Russian casualties. Some major hits the Russian military has taken. Are they starting to lose ground as the Russian war machine meeting opposition that could even turn the tide. We want to talk to our friend Jim Carafano about this. He is an Army veteran and is a vice president at the Heritage Foundation on Defense Policy and National Security. Jim, great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on the best show on radio. Thank you so much, sir. You have excellent taste in radio, among other very (laughs) very sound judgment. (laughs) So so tell us, Jim, I mean, what, what are you seeing just right now from the 30,000-foot level, I mean, looking down on the battlefield in Ukraine, how, how is this going versus what the uh, what the West expected and what Putin was hoping for? Yeah, well, I think it's very clear the Russians are not going to reach their maximum strategic objectives. I, I think, and even if they introduce tactical uh, nuclear chemical weapons, I, I don't think that's in the cards. Um, it's... It's very clear that as long as the lines of supply are open to the West, which I don't think the Russians have the capacity to close, and the West keeps funneling resources in, that the Ukrainians can keep fighting. 300,000 Ukrainians have gone back into the country in the last couple of days to fight for Ukraine. That's bigger than the entire invading force uh, that the Russians threw at that. So uh, we're going to wind up, I guess, at some point where uh, – the, the, this is going to come to an inconclusive conclusion. And now the fighting will only stop when the Russians and Ukrainians decide, because they can both fight forever. I mean, as long as Ukraine gets aid from the West, which I assume won't, won't, won't stop, they can they can keep the pressure on the Russians. And, and of course, the Russians can fight forever. They can just go back to Russia and rearm and come back again. So uh, so the, the actual fighting will stop when the two sides will we'll see what that has implications for the future. But there is no decisive victory, you know, unless something dramatically, you know, never say, you know, ever in war. I mean, I'm going to do this for a military for 25 years and been doing this for 20 years of analysis. And, and 
written history books, so I would never be, well, this is what's going to happen, but that's the state of play on the ground right now, and I think both sides recognize that. We even saw some recent Russian uh, announcements in the military talking about our objectives, and the objectives are not about no longer about conquering all of Ukraine. They're about really consolidating their control in Donbass. So, Jim, thanks for coming on. We're a month in, uh, basically. What's the time frame in your mind? You say it's hard to project. Certainly there can be unexpected outcomes. But what's your time frame in your mind if you're setting, looking forward as to when there might be a ceasefire, a negotiated settlement? What are we looking at as we move further into the spring as you analyze the situation on the ground? Well, look, it doesn't get any easier for the Russians because Ukraine is a very flat country and it gets very wet and it's very difficult to operate off-road. So you go from essentially freezing unbearable conditions to conditions in which armored truck vehicles really can't maneuver off-road. So Putin has publicly said he wants this wrapped up by May 9th, which is the anniversary of the Russian victory over uh, Germany. But I, I don't see how things get dramatically better for Putin between now and May 9th. But we also ought to point out, the one thing the Russians are good at is killing innocent civilians and destroying their lives and livelihoods and flattening their communities. A quarter, at least a quarter of the Ukrainian population has already been displaced. That that number can only grow over time. Jim, uh, we're speaking to Jim Carafano, uh, Army veteran and Heritage Foundation uh, vice president for national security studies. Jim, the Biden administration response to this and, and the overall NATO response to this, I mean, you know, th- this is one of those issues where it all that matters is what should be done. It's not, you know, shouldn't be first and foremost about scoring political points or anything like that. Are, what are right. they doing right? What are they doing wrong? What should change? Well, the number one thing that they're doing right is they're continuing to supply the Ukrainians. And as long as they do that with intelligence support and military aid, uh, water and food, and medical supplies, and they're taking care of refugees, as long as they do that, that that's the most important thing, and that's keeping Ukrainians in the fight. But the question is, 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 you know, where do we go from here? And there's two questions, which is, what happens to Ukraine? And look, I, wherever that, that winds up in the end, if Ukraine does not have a demonstrable capability to defend itself in the future and ward off the Russians, whether that's part of an alliance or whatever, then this is just the war before the next war. But then the other question is, is for NATO. You know, if NATO doesn't essentially disarm the Russian threat, which is two things, military and energy, then... You know, again, this is just the crisis before the next crisis because Putin will rebuild his military and arms and he'll be back again. I'm not optimistic on either. So they're deploying battle groups. This is a couple hundred people. Uh, Putin's deployed 10 times that number in in the first wave of of the attack on Ukraine. These are just speed bumps. Um, If we're going to delegitimize a future military threat from Putin, then we have to have enough capability forward deployed at NATO. So it's not just like, if you come across this line and kill somebody, we will be at war with you. It's like, everybody that crosses that line, we will kill them. So that means you have to have really substantial forces forward deployed. I have not seen that from Biden or anybody else. And of course, the other thing is energy independence. I mean, we all have to have reliable, affordable, abundant energy that doesn't rely on buying fuel from our adversaries. Uh, and I haven't seen that either. In fact, Biden doubled down on renewables. And anybody that knows anything about renewables knows, one, it's actually not going to solve, the, uh, do anything for the climate. It's just not. Um, the second is, is it, it's, it can never deliver a reliable energy grid. 
The third is, is you have to dramatically subsidize these things um, to, to get power down to a responsible level. So they're bad from an economic standpoint. They're bad from an environmental standpoint. And they're never going to deliver energy independence. So when, when somebody says, my answer is we're going to double down on renewables, that just tells me that you're not serious. Jim, one of the big topics, obviously, is the negotiations that are going on right now and what those might look like. Simultaneously, while those negotiations are going on, there are still reports that Russia is trying to execute Zelensky. I don't remember, in my experience, you may be able to to contemplate it, when you have been ostensibly negotiating with a government led by a man that you are publicly trying to assassinate. Can you think of any uh, comparable situation there? And do you believe the Russian attempt to kill Zelensky is still ongoing and as robust as it was reported to be early in the days of this invasion? I mean, wouldn't be surprised if they were still trying to assassinate him because this is just part of the Russian playbook. And they they routinely do these things because that's, that's part of their playbook. Look, the reality is here is is... There is no trusted deal with Putin. Putin only respects force. So he will pay attention to what people do, not what they say. The problem with, you know, particularly with the Biden approach to foreign policy is he wants people to listen to what he says so he can do as little as possible. So until we start dealing with Putin in a way that he respects and understands, which is recognizing that there's force there to prevent him from doing something, no matter what he agrees to, no matter what kind of deals he makes, it's just a prelude before he stabs you in the back. And, Jim, where do you see this going? I mean, are, are both sides, as you say, if, if Ukraine and the forces fighting against Russia there continue to be supplied, and it looks like that is going to happen. There, there seems to be, if anything, an, an increase in the desire in the West to supply the Ukrainians now that we see they're willing to fight. I think people saw... The situation in Afghanistan, which was a debacle for the Biden administration in many ways, but also the unwillingness of the Afghan army to fight against the Taliban and maybe had a moment of, oh, gosh, what's going to happen here in Ukraine? Now that we've seen the Ukrainians will fight and are fighting and standing up to Russia as much as they can, they are getting equipped. They're getting the arms that we're sending them. They're using them to serious effect. Where do you see this going? I mean, does it turn into a negotiated settlement in 30 days, 60 days? Is part of Ukraine in Russia's hands at the end of this? How does this end? Well, like I said, today, based on what we know right now, this is going to end in a frozen conflict. Um, The actual fighting will subside when both sides think it's to their advantage to do that. The deal that they cut... It depends. If it's just a deal that has all kinds of like nonsense guarantees in it and process and stuff, then what Putin will do, he'll go back, he'll rearm and rebuild it. He'll come back when he's ready again, and he'll take another bite at the apple, and we'll have another war. On, on the other hand, and you have to remember, no matter how this ends, win, lose, or draw, Putin's military is going to be exhausted. I mean, they're going to take, they're going to need months, if not years, to rearm and reconstitute before they can go back and start invading other people again. In that time frame, there's a window when he really can't threaten anybody militarily. And and pretty much NATO can do what it wants to shore up its defenses and its energy. So the next time Putin comes back, we, we can not against them. So if, if however this ends, if in that interim period we don't accomplish two things, one is um, figure out a way so Ukraine can, can be assured that it can defend itself against a future Russian invasion, and two, get to energy independence, and have sufficient military capability 
forward deployed in NATO to deter Russia in the future, um, you know, then we just go back to where we started. And, and, and people have to remember, too, this is all about China. China wants a weakened, divided, and distracted Europe because that helps it isolate America. And so the Russians are the Chinese stalking horse. So regardless of how these end, the Russians are going to help the Chi- the Chinese are going to help the Russians get back on their feet so they can pressure Europe again because that's good for China. And so pe- pe- for people who are really concerned about, well, China's the real enemy here, don't argue that, the, the way you diminish China is you stiff arm Russia ever having the capability to threaten the West again, either militarily or in energy, that's, that significantly diminishes their value to China as an ally. Jim, seven to 15,000 deaths, according to NATO estimates among Russian forces, 40,000 wounded. You just talked about how Russia is significantly uh, going to take a long time to rebuild. That doesn't consider all the material, uh, war material they've also lost, whether it's planes, whether it's tanks, right. whether it's uh, movable uh, forces, all of these different things. Has Russia rendered itself relatively impotent by, yes, granted, they invaded Ukraine, but by being unable to live up to the expectations of what we believed the Russian military was capable of, is this very much of a Pyrrhic victory, regardless of how they try to claim it when the negotiated settlement happens, just based on how they've performed? Well, look, Russia can always, always remember, you're an authoritarian regime. You can always rearm and rebuild your military. And, uh, you know, if you're smart, you can learn your lessons from last time and improve. I mean, now they, you know, they have more combat experience. But um, we have to remember, regardless of the state of the Russian military, first of all, if you count their tactical nuclear weapons, they have the biggest nuclear arsenal in the universe that we know of. And that, that's a problem. And despite all the shortfalls of the military, they've shown that they're very good at something. They're completely ruthless. They're very, they're very good at killing innocent, unarmed people. They can do that really well. And they can destroy lives and livelihoods and communities and buildings and infrastructure. So as long as that military isn't being, and as long as Putin is in charge of it, it is, you know, it is a dark shadow over its neighbors in the West. And you have to be prepared to make sure Putin understands that in the future, anybody that, that the Russians attack, that they that those attackers will die and never come back. And that's the only thing that's going to. So, and the reason why this war started was because Putin didn't believe that he recognized some people. He expected to win this war in two days, and then he expected everybody to just like look at you know avert their eyes and just go back to sleepwalking through history. You know, we have learned now, if, if Putin could look at the future and knew where he would be today, I'm not sure he would have invaded. If he knew that that NATO was gonna, that countries were going to arm the Ukrainians, that the Ukrainians were going to fight, that his economy was going to get choked. If we did the thing nine months ago that, that we're doing right now, I, I don't think he would have attacked. And, and I, I think that's pretty obvious. I think it was obvious nine months ago, actually. Um Putin respects force. And and so if you do not demonstrate the capability and willingness to stand up to him, he will always come back and try and get you. Has anybody ever been seen a bully in a schoolyard and where they went to the, the bully and said, please don't hit me, who didn't get immediately smacked on the back of the head when they turned around? Yeah. And, and Putin is a bully. 
I mean, it's just that simple. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Jim Carafano of the Heritage Foundation. Talk to you soon, Jim. Hey, thank you so much, and thanks for having me on. Really. Car owners who don't have protection from CarShield are exposed to the perils of unexpected auto repair bills. And those don't come cheap. CarShield makes it easy and affordable to protect yourself and your car from expensive repairs. That's just for starters. CarShield offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month and covers more parts than ever before. Whether your car has 5,000 miles on it or 150,000 miles, CarShield has the right plan. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic and CarShield's administrators handle the rest. It's that simple. Uh, plans through CarShield also include nationwide roadside assistance, plenty of rental car options, and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. Get coverage today. You'll lock in your price now, and it will never go up. Who else does that besides CarShield? That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising cost of parts and repairs for your vehicle. CarShield has already helped millions of drivers become one today. Go to CarShield.com. That's CarShield.com slash Clay and Buck. Or call this phone number, 800-391-8888. That phone number is 800-391-8888 to save 10% on your plan and lock in your pricing forever. CarShield.com slash Clay and Buck or 800-391-8888. A deductible may apply. The voices of sanity in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Friday edition. Encourage all of you to go subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a moment. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. Uh, it is Friday. We are taking some of your calls. Let's hop right in here and uh, roll with some of those and check out what Duke in Cincinnati has to say. What's up, Duke? Hey, thanks. So I'm a retired career special operator, and I was listening to your guest, and I guess I'm unclear kind of on two things. One, what's the compelling national interest that we want to get so heavily involved with Ukraine now and risk, and, and it's a real risk, a potential global thermonuclear war? And then as a follow-on to that, when he was describing how, hey, this could just be a, uh, a pause to the next conflict, so we need to put these mechanisms in place. Again, what's the compelling national interest there to incur all of that cost and all of that risk? And is that just for Ukraine, or would we do that if Russia wanted to, say, roll into Tajikistan? And I'm just trying to understand the the bigger picture of, of where is where is that compelling interest for us? I think Duke's questions go right to the heart of it. Uh, Duke, I think you see this exactly for what it is right now, the challenge here. I mean, obviously, I can't speak on behalf of Jim. I wish we could have Jim respond directly to your questions. But I, I do think that uh, the how much and how long we get involved issue when you do have a heavily nuclear-armed uh, Russian Federation led by a man who clearly will use extreme violence against civilians and anybody who gets in his way, that's our pri- our primary consideration, honestly, as a country, Clay, I would think, is avoiding a nuclear exchange with Russia. That's number one on on the yes. on our list, right? That's I, I I think that has to be number one. And and honestly, this is one of those situations, Buck, where we can say there is some bipartisan agreement that we're trying to avoid nuclear war, right? Republicans, Democrats, I, there actually does seem to be some rationally yes, intelligent we, responses we're seeing so agreed. far. Agreed. America is identified for a wide variety of amazing accomplishments, including the melding of so many ethnic backgrounds over the course of several centuries, making a nation a melting pot of cultures and traditions. It's one of our strengths as a nation. But have you noticed a change in today's conversation that too many people no longer identify as Americans first, but instead with identity politics, that we're losing the common appreciation for what unites us? I'm talking about citizenship, the pride we all take in the nation's great accomplishments. If we lose the idea of citizenship, we don't have the country we thought we once had. There's something you can do now. Hillsdale College is here to help you get up to speed. They've got a new free course on American citizenship that will help you learn about what's happening and why. It's taught by Dr. Victor Davis Hanson. All you have to do to sign up for free is go to clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. That's clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. On the front lines of truth. Welcome back into the Clay and Buck Show. Thanks for rolling with us. 800-282-2882. We'll get some calls in the back of this hour because it is Friday. Also, do we have some fun emails to read from our VIPs? Do we have some fun emails? Maybe. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll have some of them get pulled. Does, whatever happened to Dub pulling all the reviews, Clay? Is he too busy yeah, with Dub, his NCAA yeah, they, 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 bracket? Dub needs to be, we got to get him on top of that because uh, he has been reviewing them. He's not in studio here today, meaning in my house. Um, he's in the uh, Nashville studio, I think. I don't know if Dub can hear us, if he can uh, speak out. He needs to defend himself on what he's been doing with all these reviews because there are tons of them. 
we got to pull some reviews. We're going to pull some emails. We're going to get audit. This is a reminder. It's like we're having our to-do list on air for, you know, millions of people yes. to hear. So there we go. We'll get to that, too. But we definitely have lines open, 800-282-2882. And one thing that, that we're all going to see a lot more of, I think, is the slow but real recognition among Democrats. Because, remember, power is the principle. There are no other principles to the modern Democrat Party. Right now, they just believe in, we got to be in charge, we got to make you do what we say you should do, and that's the end of it. However they get there, whatever they have to sell you on, fine. That's that's secondary. It's not about defense of a principle. It's about they get to make all the decisions for you. There are problems, though, politically for them that they face right now. Problems on crime, uh, problems on the border, uh, with illegal immigration, with the economy, with inflation, so many things. We've gone from build back better to, oh, God, I hope I can pay for gas and Russia doesn't fire ICBMs at us because Putin, I mean, because Biden makes a wrong move in a very short period of time. And here we are right now, uh, Clay, seeing that there are issues where Democrats go on offense until the moment that. The American people find out what's really going on, and then you say, oh, hold on a second. They aren't with them on this issue. And to that, I bring you that more than 52%, according to the most uh, recent poll here, uh, more than 52% in a political morning consult, sorry, I was trying to find that, support of Democrats, support the Florida Parental Rights Bill, which they had dubbed the the don't say gay bill. They had made this up. The activists came up with this. They renamed the bill something that, oh, of course, you know, it's it's a little bit like, Clay, Black Lives Matter. How can you be opposed to Black Lives Matter as a movement? Because the name is, of course, Black Lives Matter, right? But the whole point is you call it something that if anyone opposes you, they're automatically on the defensive because what do you mean you say that you can't say gay? Well, no one says that, but that didn't really matter. It turns out, that Democrat opposition to parental involvement at the school board level and beyond when it comes to the education of their children is not popular with the American people, that this game they play of critical race theory isn't really a thing. You see, uh, Chris Rufo, who has uh, been raising the public awareness of critical race theory indoctrination in schools, he got called out on The View by Sonny Hostin, and I retweeted this. <laughs> he wants to go on The View and debate oh, Sonny Hostin. I, I, I credit to him, yes. I mean, he absolutely should get that. She trashed him, called him a troll, said that he's basically lying about critical race theory being taught in schools. I know Chris. I've interviewed him many times. He is not we a had troll. Him on this show. I'm sorry? We've had him on this show. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying, I've known Chris for years. I mean, I've talked to him many times about this. And and he should have the opportunity to go. Point here being, though, when people find out more about what the Democrats have done over the last year, Clay, they don't like it. I think, Buck, what 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 is becoming increasingly clear is the Democrats have a massive, massive issue with trying to make social media happy and the fact that the vast majority of their party doesn't agree with what makes social media happy. And the don't say gay, the so-called, falsely called, don't say gay bill is a perfect example. Because parents of kindergarten, first, second, third graders are not going to be in favor of sexuality uh, instruction in public schools to kids of those ages, whether they're Democrats, Republicans, or independents. And you know that Democrats are getting slaughtered 
out there, and they know it. Deep down, they know it because in the war of ideas, that's what flipped the state of Virginia. That's to a large extent what almost flipped the state of New Jersey. And we're talking about two states that Joe Biden won comfortably, and they're swinging 10, 12, 14 points back in the other direction. And if that can happen, and this is why I say 2022 is so intriguing, what happens in a true landslide election, Buck, is, yes, you win close races, but there are people who get crushed that had no idea they were actually in danger. And we almost saw that with New Jersey, right? Nobody was talking about the governor of New Jersey being in actual peril. Now, we talked a lot about what might happen in Virginia and what was gonna, what the outcome was going to be there with McAuliffe going up against Yunkin. But nobody, I, I didn't see a single person, Buck, say, hey, you know what you need to pay, pay attention to? The Democratic governor of uh, New Jersey, he's going to be on the the, the, the tenterhooks here, the, 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 the tiny margin of whether he's going to win or lose. And that's what they're afraid of because their ideas don't poll well and their ideas don't reflect well even... White liberals like them because they're overwhelmingly uh, involved on on Twitter. But Hispanic, Asian, black voters, they don't think that their kids, kindergarten, first, second, and third grade in public schools should be being taught about sex. So they are starting to wake up to exactly what you're saying yes. because the only thing that makes the Democrats change course is, oh, my gosh, wait, we're actually going to lose power? Whatever they have to do to get there is fine. They don't care. But if it means that they're going to not be able to make you do what they want to make you do, because they don't actually have the votes and they don't have the system at their disposal. The apparatus is no longer fully under their control. They change things. Guest essay in the New York Times uh, last uh, day or so. Democrats are making life too easy for Republicans. And this is this is just the start of this piece by this guy, Thomas Edsel. As the 2022 midterms draw into view, the question arises to what degree are Democratic difficulties inevitable? But a co-editor of the Liberal Patriot argues in an email that the cultural left has managed to associate the Democratic Party with a series of views on crime, immigration, policing, free speech, and, of course, race and gender that are quite far from those of the median voter. That's a success for the cultural left, but the hard reality is that it is an electoral liability for the Democratic Party. Absolutely true. It's almost like what we say on the show every day. We are talking to people about the reality that is playing out across the country, which is that the woke left has essentially hijacked. They're not just a fringe of the Democrat Party. They have hijacked the Democrat Party. They are in the cockpit of the Democrat Party. And that's what Biden has allowed to happen. He was essentially a head fake toward normalcy and the middle. The woke left is calling all the shots. And the American people are with them, man. Not at all. Which which is why I think 2022 and 2024, the story of 2022 and 2024, is going to be the destruction of the Democratic Party as it presently exists. There are. I really believe this, Buck. I, I believe that we're going to see such an onslaught in 22 and such an onslaught in 24 that the Democratic Party is going to have to go back to reconstruct itself. And they're going to have to bury wokeism. They're going to have to bury identity politics. They are going to have to bury cancel culture because the overwhelming majority of even their own party repudiates the ideas that they are embracing on a day-to-day basis, and it's going to be ugly. People talk about uh, the the, the Republicans in trouble because of January 6th and everything else. No, 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 no. They are missing the bigger story here, which is they have allowed – hijack's the right word. They've allowed social media blue checks – 
to hijack their party. And remember, I believe if you look at the overall trajectory of uh, the blue checks on, on, on Twitter, it's Portland, right? It's basically a Portland congressional district is what the overall uh, method and madness of Twitter would be on a day-to-day basis. It's the Democrats plus 23 or 24 points, not a remotely competitive marketplace. And they've convinced themselves that it's the real world when it's not. And it's a big part of why they're going to get their ass kicked in 22. In the meantime, a lot of you get out of bed. You feel in pain. You know, if you're suffering from consistent pain, why wouldn't you try a all-natural 15-year tested Relief Factor product. Three weeks, all it takes, quick start. You take a Relief Factor three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. For three weeks, you'll know if it works for you or not. Hundreds of thousands of people have tried it. 70% of them go on to order more. That's an amazing percentage that believes that it works for them. Seven out of ten. So what do you have to lose? Relief Factor, 100% drug-free product made for you, reduces inflammation that's oftentimes a result of the root pain you're suffering. Join the more than half million people and order the three-week quick start for only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to get the $19.95 three-week quick start developed for you. One more time, relieffactor.com. You can call 800, the number four relief, relief factor, feel the difference. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind the scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24 7. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. 
I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Friday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We're going to try to take a bunch of your calls, as we always do on Friday. Let's go down to Jim in Fort Myers, Florida. We had an awesome event in Fort Myers. Appreciate everybody who came out who listens in that area. Uh, Jim, what you got for us? How you doing, Clay? Greetings from the free state of Florida. We appreciate that. Buck's headed down to the free state of Florida I think this evening uh, as he goes back. But, yeah, we uh, certainly appreciate what Ron DeSantis has done to make sure that not only Florida, because a lot of people have followed the lead of Florida, uh, but, but uh, yeah, if, if he hadn't done what country. he did, yeah, best governor in the country, if he hadn't done what he did, I don't think very many other governors would have been willing to take the risks and follow his lead. Anyway, what I wanted to bring up, and I'll try to make it quick here, number one, I wish somebody would uh, lead Joe Biden behind the gym, uh, first of all. That would be great. And then secondly, I've been hearing in the media that Joe Biden is wanting to visit and cross over the border of Ukraine and actually meet with refugees and that kind of thing. And uh, I'll be honest with you, that just absolutely sends me through the roof. I stay in that state anyway with him. But the fact that he would even consider going to the border of Ukraine and not even visiting the own southern border of the United States, the people of our country should be, uh, you know what, I won't say it on the radio. I just find that to be absolutely outrageous. And after talking to your call screener, screener he had said that uh, maybe Biden was going to be about 10 to 13 miles uh, from the border of Ukraine on the Poland side. But then I told him, I said, that's even, he's never even been that close to our own southern border. It's a great and point. Uh, it's a fantastic call, Buck. You, we, you, we, I believe you led the charge on the Biden administration cares way more about the sanctity of the Ukrainian border than they do our own southern border. And now Biden has traveled, taken the time to fly all the way overseas to Europe. He's in Poland right now meeting with the refugees that are streaming across from Ukraine into Poland. And he still hasn't done anything about all of the illegal immigrants streaming across on a daily basis at our southern border. He hasn't supported anybody who works on the border. They're still investigating that horseback riding incident from six months ago. Really two areas where I think, Clay, we have a mission, and this audience is with us on it, and I know that. We have a mission, first and foremost, to help save the country. But but specifically from a content perspective, we will not let the Fauciite madness go without... Uh, without a full accounting and accountability for it. Um, and, and I'm talking about leading up until the midterm elections. And the border, the lawlessness at our southern border, that is completely the result of decision-making and policies of this administration. The reason it's gotten so much worse is because of things they've decided. We will keep this story going. We're not going to allow the Democrat corporate media to just do shiny object over here, shiny object over there. Oh, let's all get all let's all talk about Ginny Thomas's text messages. No, let's talk about two million illegal immigrants coming into America last year in violation of our sovereignty and hundreds of thousands of more still every month. It's not like this is over. So, of course, we should be on this story and we will continue to do that. No doubt. Dale in Spokane, Washington. Dale, are you still recovering from what happened to Gonzaga last night? 
Oh, never. <laughs> the Arkansas Razorbacks, they they got them pretty good last night, didn't they? That kind of came uh, out of nowhere. Razorbacks are, Razorbacks are a great team. Yeah, what do you got for us? Okay, uh, talking about shortcomings of Joe Biden. Last night he gets up there and he talks about we're going to have food shortages. Where were his solutions? Yeah. Where were his, we're going to take these steps to mitigate that. It's it's a fantastic question. Buck, we were talking about this. One, as soon as you say we're going to have food shortages, you create to a large extent that reality. Because as we talked about with toilet paper, the idea that there's not going to be enough of something can create a run on that product. So Biden is actually making it worse just by saying that. But to the caller's point, what solution has he put in place? I haven't heard one. I haven't heard anything at all. Sending other checks. Than, Sending yeah. checks. This is this is what we're being That's reduced to now. We have high inflation, high prices, and the government, which is the cause, of course, of that high inflation, is saying, hey, here's an idea. We'll give you a check so you don't realize what a crappy job we're doing in the economy and maybe don't vote for people who'd be better. They're just trying to they're trying to buy off the American people's better judgment. I mean, this is the idea. I don't even know if this is going to go through. Gavin Newsom, we talked about this yesterday, wants to give three hundred dollars. I think it is uh, three hundred dollars uh, in a stimulus payment to people for the gas, uh, the gas prices they're paying there. How about you stop making it impossible for people to buy gas at a fair market price in California because you're so worried about the Delta smelt and the spotted owl and whatever else, you know, the the. The people that are writing big checks to the environmentalist lobby want to get all fired up about. Well, let's not also underrate. You know who one of the biggest funders of the idea of climate change being an existential threat is? Russia. Russia wants for us to be weaning ourselves off of creating our own oil and gas independence because it makes their product more valuable. Yeah. They are taking advantage of our left-wingers. You want to talk about Russia collusion. They are using the Green New Deal to undercut our economic viability and energy uh, in, in independence to create more value yeah. for themselves. The, the, the Kremlin has been involved in anti-fracking propaganda yes. for, for years and years now with considerable effect. This is not new, by the way. This is just the latest iteration of what's being done from that part of the world. During the Cold War era of the Soviet Union, they were funding the left-wing anti-war groups in this country, radical groups on the streets, people that were out there, community activists and organizers and all the rest. The Soviets were helping out however they could. There were penetrations of different organizations. Go read Whitaker Chamber Witness if you've never read the book before, folks. It's absolutely fantastic on this issue. And, and, you know, there's also the God that failed, a bunch of commies, including some actual commies in this country who realized who they were doing work for and how evil it was. Um, but this is not new. And there is a longstanding relationship, Clay, between the American left in this country and either the Soviets or Russian interests. But it's Trump who's the Putin puppet. Sure. We're going to be joined by Kenny Shu when we come back. He's written a fascinating examination of American racial politics, particularly focused on the Asian experience in America. It's a big story, particularly as you consider the Supreme Court will be deciding whether or not affirmative action is allowed in higher education in the near future. This is going to be a fascinating conversation with him. Trust me on this. And we're going to talk about some of the changing political dynamics in these different racial groups. That's next. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. 
on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.